Welcome to That We May Be One, a podcast aimed at sharing the stories and testimonies of our ward members to foster a greater sense of love and community. Welcome back, sisters. This week we get to hear from the delightful Helena Guyman. Helena and her husband Glenn have lived in Roseville for more than 20 years and have just become empty nesters over the past year or two. Helena and Glenn currently teach together in primary, but those are just a few facts. Honestly, no intro I can give you will do justice to how cool and engaging Helena is. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy her interview conducted by Nikki Steers. And uh, I was the third one born in Hawaii. And um, I think this part sums up most of who I am. We moved when I was two or three months old. And I was told my birthday was September the 23rd until I got my driver's license and needed a birth certificate because my birthday is September 21st. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I know that has nothing to do with how much my parents love me. (laughs) But, you know, whatever. From there, we just moved forward. But we moved um, to New York and Canada. And by the time I was... Two, we lived in Germany, in Stuttgart. And we loved it there. And this is because your family was military. My dad worked for the government doing uh, special communications. And so we, he would move for raises and promotions. So um, we went everywhere. And it was fun. And there, because there were six girls, you always had friends. And we were born in sense of two, two a year apart, and then three to four, maybe five years, and then two more. A few years and two more. Uh, There was also a time when we lived in Germany that I changed my name to Johnny. And nobody knows why, but I just think I wanted to be the boy. Though my sister Tiki, (laughs) she got the racetracks and the cool cars. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so we moved a lot. When I was turning eight, we came back to America. We all thought it was going to be what we wanted. And when we were moving to Denver, but we ended up in Arizona, we just wanted to go back. Because in, in Germany, the I don't remember, it seemed like it was a ward, but it could have been a very large branch. We would go to the Black Forest to go camping with the ward or the branch, and it was just a really fun time. I'm assuming you were born in the church. Yes. Okay, so my mother was raised, she's from Australia, and she left home, she was probably 17, she got on a boat, she was raised Church of England, and went to England, and met some missionaries on the way, and when they started talking to her about genealogy, she understood that the church was true, she just knew, and so my father's from Bountiful, Utah, and he had joined the Air Force, they went to whatever branch they were in, in London, and they met, um, would have been like single adult, young single adult activities, going to graveyards, copying down tombstones, um, the, the name, the dates, and whatever, whatever other information was needed. And so they met and dated, and um, she was engaged to somebody else, but ended up marrying my dad. <laughs> and um, they... They have uh, like a three-inch thick um, scrapbook of their 
honeymoon because the press followed them, similar to Lady, Lady Diana and Charles. Because this Mormon couple got married in London at a small church. They followed them to Iceland and, wow. and to um, Ireland. And it's just hilarious. They'd have them stop and pose, and it's just funny. But wow. it was strange, you know, and it's hilarious to go back and look at the scrapbook because it's newspaper clipping after newspaper clipping. So that's, that's their story. So by the time I was, I was baptized in Arizona, so we moved to Arizona, and um, by fifth grade, my parents, okay, sorry, my dad and mom left working for the government, my mom wasn't working, but they decided to leave that job and go into business and sell antiques, because they loved antiques, they still do. We moved, when we got to Arizona, they found a place in Phoenix that, uh, like, a, there was a row of antique shops, and they opened up a shop there. It just failed. And, like, two doors up, there was a family who owned a shop called, their last name was Bradbury's, and they said, come to Colorado with us. We have a store there. You can have a store in the back. It's no problem. Just do that. So we went to Silverton, Colorado, almost 10,000 feet up, population, not very many. My sister-in-law lives there currently. <laughs> that is where I went to yeah. high school and graduated. <laughs> but 14 kids in my class. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my, my, so that store, the store there was called the Lemon Tree. And we opened up a store behind called the Orange Crate. Because my parents decided it needed to be in the Citrus family. So, and there was a big building there that was a lumber lumber store, hardware store. The hardware store was across the street, but that's where all the lumber was held. And um, everyone had tried to buy it. And the man came up to my father and said, would you like to buy this building? And my dad said, I can't afford it. And he said, well, let's see what you can afford. And he sold the building to my dad. And um, so we opened up the orange crate next summer. We lived that first summer and the second summer, we lived at the campground. And I thought nothing of it. It was, I don't know. Now I would think of how much space that was, but I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And um, so five girls and my parents. <laughs> and in Silverton, you go up to the old mines on the hills, on the mountains, and you get pyrite if you're a little kid. And then you put it in a box and you sit outside of a store and you sell rocks. So Maria and I, we would have been nine and ten. We sold rocks. You can make like fifty bucks a day selling rocks. Really? <laughs> Just to, are you selling them to tourists? Okay, yeah. So there's yeah. a narrow gauge train that comes up from Durango, Colorado. There's three or four of them. And they just bring the tourists up yeah. who don't want to drive over the mountains and um, drop them off for like three hours and then they hop back on a train and go back. And it's just staggered 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, trains come in and trains leave. And um, so I started making my money selling rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all my kids did it. And all of my nieces and nephews have sold rocks. Your children have? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And you walk the railroad and you pick up old spikes and you sell them for five bucks. You know? So um, just, you sit with a box in front of you that says, hi, my name is, I'm selling rocks, I'm saving to buy myself a new bike, or whatever you're saving for. And <laughs> people, people will just give you money. 
you know, it's like, uh, well, please take a rock. <laughs> so I sold rocks, and then um, in my dad's store, my mom and dad were like, oh, we can't work together. So my mom bought, a, bought what was the old livery, and she still runs that. And um, in my dad's store, just fun, crazy stuff. Ornaments, it was the first Christmas store in town. Antiques and leather vests and sheepskin and alpaca. I don't know, so many things. It was just, we worked hard from May through October. That's the, by sixth grade, my parents were like, we have to move here. So they bought the old dairy, <laughs> which was a cabin that was probably 1,100 square feet and a huge dairy barn, which we never, it was always going to be fixed up, but it never was. And um, so we moved into this cabin for, I don't know, probably four or five years. And in those days, it really snowed. Like you would shovel your walkway. It would be like a 10-foot bank that you had to throw the snow over. Wow. It was crazy. It just doesn't snow like that there anymore. But um, it was wild. And you did walk to school because it wasn't that far. <laughs> and it was, the school building is a, uh, it's a basement and two floors above. And that is kindergarten through high school. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And there was a gym. And I'll tell you about So if you're in town and you stay, they want you to be on every team possible. So um, I lettered in everything. <laughs> I may have been captain of the basketball team. <laughs> but the first experience I had, and, you know, I wanted to do what I think of as girl things, which are ballet and gymnastics. But my parents were like, we can't afford that. So the, the, they said, join the basketball team. So I'm like, all right. And there was... One practice before the first game, which was we had to drive to Uray, which is another beautiful mountain town. And um, all the teams were playing that day. So it would have been an element, a sixth grade team, and then uh, JV and varsity. So the ref was so good to me. He's like, so the ball went out and I stood there to throw it in. And everyone's like, bring it in, bring it in. So I just dribbled it in. I will never forget that. And he's like, okay, now go back outside the lines and throw it into somebody on your team. <laughs> and that was really how I learned to play basketball. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, on the spot. And, um, you know, my, the high school, middle school and high school, and probably elementary, the PE teacher, Mr. Pastor, he was ex-Marine. And I loved him, and everybody hated him, and I loved that he would push. And I think that's when I found exercise again around 40. I, that's who I dedicate everything hard that I do. It's because he taught me just to keep going. Because we'd have to run the cross country, which was like four miles, and up and down hills at 10,000 feet. And then, you know, he'd say, go back and get the ones that are straggling. I'm like, why, you know, but it was awesome, in the winter we would go ice fishing and cross country skiing and rock climbing, it was, it was, I love it, it was a blast, I wouldn't trade it, but um, it was a different world, and we would still, every so often, join the stake for young women's activities, but, 
you know, we didn't understand it while we were going through, but now I see the girls where we would come and join them, they were like, who are these other girls? You know, mm -hmm. even though we're all supposed to be accepting. And it was just weird. And so it was better when we were in college and would show up dressed to the nines mm -hmm. and just be like, oh, I'm sorry, is this your boyfriend? <laughs> we had a blast. That's all I can say. Yeah. So that was high school. And uh, we, so really, church-wise, it was young women's were myself and two, the next two sisters older than me. If there was somebody called to be the young women's leader or teacher, they would, we would have something. But really, it was, I didn't really have a young women's program, which is fine. My dad would get up even early and we would have seminary, early morning seminary in the living room. And I was like, why? Why do we have to do this? So with your own family, mm -hmm. he would do it with your Yeah, Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think I learned... So when we moved to America, I think that move was super hard on my mom. She would deny it, so would my dad. And uh, it was just very stressful for her. And she started packing up her bags and leaving. And I think at that point in my life, I realized... I had to figure things out, even though I was the youngest. And I, I don't, because I've tried to figure out when I understood that the church was true or that I could ask Heavenly Father for things and they would be provided. And that's the only thing that it comes back to for me is that I just started testing it and finding my own testimony. And I see, like, I have a sister, the sister just older than me left the church and, uh, I'm like, I get it, because she didn't, she didn't want to find out, and so she didn't ask. Um, that's fine, still love her, she's just living a different, slightly different life than me. And, um, but I just, I've worked hard on, on just remembering who I am and how it works. Because life is hard, and you think you're doing it on your own, and I look at friends who aren't members of the church, and... They're proud of themselves for their accomplishments, and they really do just accept it at that level. Like, look what I have done. And I'm like, when it happens to my husband and I, I'm like, but, but we didn't do this on our own, you know? And those are just, I think it, they're, it's amazing to look back and see that, when you can look back and you notice, oh, look at this, you know? You're referring to the help mm -hmm. from Heavenly mm -hmm. Father... Uh, yeah. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, at one point over the pan maybe the beginning of the pandemic, um, my husband was like, let's take the money out, some money out of the stock market. And I was like, I'm, I don't care what you do. You know, I'm fine with it, whatever. And, and then as the market was falling, and he was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. And then later there was a comment, and all these conversations were walking back and forth to the mailbox. He's like, I think I'm being humbled, you know. And I said, those are good moments. So just enjoy it and learn from it instead of blocking it out. Understand that you're being taught and it's okay. So I just love that, those kind of moments. So that was a little, a little bit about your childhood. So what next? What, what, what was your next step? So um, I went to Riggs College where some of my sisters had gone to school and um, I met my husband there, and he was going on, uh, he knew he'd be going on his mission. 
So we dated for like a semester and a half, which is like four or five years in the outside world. (laughs) (laughs) And then he went on his mission and um, he went to uh, Geneva, Switzerland on his mission. So um, we wrote back and forth. That was just nice to be able to get to know each other better. And he came back um, like a month early because that let him come back in between semesters around Christmas time and then we were married he came back in December and we were married in May we were just happy-go-lucky going to school and at that point I got into um, an x-ray radiology program at the U of U and my husband's family is very BYU oriented (laughs) and it was shot I just I don't understand that sort of thing. I mean, I know it exists, so I have that sort of understanding. I don't understand liking someone or something because it comes from here. or So that's still... So, there's a lot of things that I just don't get about society, and that's fine. <laughs> and um, so we tease, we, we've always teased each other about that. But um, So I became an x-ray tech, and uh, as soon as I graduated, my husband was done. And he got into a master's program in uh, Fullerton, California. So we moved to where he was from in Upland, which is Southern California, and rented a little home, started working, and um, he was going to school. And a few years later, it was, okay, so I was 22, like, telling my husband, we should have kids. (laughs) And... and, um, it just still seems so young to me. Mm-hmm. So we we couldn't get pregnant. And so at the end, they ended up putting me on um, some Clomid. And they're like, you could have twins or triplets. Luckily, we just got one. So we, um, or unluckily, who knows. <laughs> we um, had our kids. He, Wes was the only one we used any type of medication for. And the children were like every four to five years apart. And uh, we have three kids. I feel like Emily Father understood that I needed some space in between my children. That's just my take on it, having lived with my mom. That's how I've all, I'm like, I don't want to be like her. I don't want to be that type of, uh, um, a wild, overly stressed or whatever. I, I don't know really what her life was, but um, I, don't, I want it to be easier and calm. So I always took it that way. And... It was kind of funny when Wes was a senior, Kate was in kindergarten, you know, and Bailey was in middle school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we have fun and they all get along. It's funny to see them come together. And um, even though there's so much space between them, liking and enjoying the same music and the same same type of art and entertainment. So I love that with the kids. How old are they now? Wesley is... 32, and Bailey turns 28 on Friday, um, the 18th of November, and Kate is 21. Okay. And, um, Are they close by? Wesley lives out um, by the airport here in Sacramento, and they are looking for a home in Utah. And um, Bailey and her husband, uh, Wes is married to Cassie White, who was in Fifth Ward, for anybody who knows that. And... Bailey and her husband Kyle moved to Oregon in August of this year, and they're looking to buy a home, and he, he's able to work from home, and she is an occupational therapist, so she's loving working up there. 
And Kate goes to UVU, and um, she loves geology and literature and environmental science, and she's going to teach, hopefully, in two years. <laughs> a year and a half. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun to watch the kids because my husband is the one that's like, this is how you get through school. This is what you do. And I'm, let's have fun and let's relax. And it's fun to watch them be like, oh, dad, to hear them call him on the phone, heartfelt, and just asking for advice on how do I get through this stage or what do I do here. It's just fun to watch the tables turn and the children grow up. What did your husband get his master's in? What's he do? It was in um, public administration. Okay. And he became uh, a federal agent. And he worked fraud. Most of his cases were fraud. And he loved it. And he's been retired for four, maybe five, five years. Probably right now, five years. And um, probably 12 years ago, he started working at home. And I was like, this is not okay. (laughs) So I decided I needed to do something. And when uh, a few years before that, I had started going to a gym. And I loved it. And one day there was a little flyer at the drinking fountain said, why don't you become an instructor? Come to this whatever. So I said, here's my check. I am coming. And I started teaching group fitness. And I love it. You teach yoga, right? I teach everything but Zumba. Okay. Everything. But right now, um, I teach a lot of yoga and cycle and cardio strength classes. And I started some stretch, stretching uh, strength formats. And I teach out of the Sun City in Lincoln. And it's super fun. I, I get to sub a Parkinson's class, which is the most awesome class ever. Why is that? You know, I they they come they come in so excited to do the work. Not that the other people don't walk in excited for the class because they do, but um, it's just it's just a really great class. And they do cycle for the first half of it, and then different strength formats at mm-hmm. toward the end. But it's just I it's a smaller class. There can only be eight in it, so I'm talking to them. What was your first car? You know, how much was gas? You know, this. how many sisters and brothers? I get to really get to know them. You can connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just fun. Okay. So um, that's when I, I started my journey doing that. And I've loved most of it. <laughs> I just, I, I found that working out or doing hard things and getting through it, whether you're at the gym or in life, it's just a beautiful lesson or a beautiful circle. And I just think there's so much to learn from that, whatever the question is or whatever the task at hand. I'm just grateful that we get the opportunity to explore new things all the time. Mm -hmm. And my husband's a cyclist, so we talk about exercise a lot. And what's going to happen when we can't do this? What we, and you know, I'm like, well, we're not going to stop. We just switch what we're doing. And um, I, I look at the people that I work with, and it's 55 and older, and I see that they've made changes to adjust to their life or their abilities, whatever that is. And I'm like, it's such a great example. I was talking with someone in the ward, I don't know who, and... 
she was saying that she couldn't work in the temple anymore and she couldn't do this and that. And I kept thinking, well, I know, but what are you doing now? And the, the conversation never got to that, but in my head I was like, okay, so if you can't go and do this, what do you choose to do next that keeps you connected in the same way but different? Because to me that's what it's about. You just... You Sounds just like keep going. Flexibility. Yeah. Yes, right? it is. Yeah, there is no reason to be, I mean, I I do believe I'm right in most instances. So there's okay to be hard fast. That's the line. <laughs> but there's so many different ways of looking at the same thing. And it's that, to me, is the best part of aging, is realizing and understanding that I see it this way, but someone else is looking at it from another angle, mm-hmm. and they see it from their perspective and their life experience. And generally, it comes to the same answer, which I love. It's just, it's hard to see it at first. I was just having a conversation with a couple ladies from our ward, Connie and Taylor. Hey, ladies. We were just talking about, um, like, transforming yourself Mm -hmm. and kind of getting through different struggles and trials and and just, um, you know... Yeah. Being flexible with that. Yeah. And I, my friend once told me that she was in the pool at the gym, and this woman who was probably about 60 was there and said that she had just taken up swimming because she couldn't do her old exercise mm-hmm. anymore. And she was saying that she believes that every 10 years we need to reinvent ourselves yeah. and try new things and just to kind of. Uh, be flexible with your life stage mm-hmm. and just continue working on yourself. I agree. You know, my husband will say, I'd go back and do that again. And I always say I wouldn't. I'm done. I, that was that phase. I get to do this now. And um, I just think it's great that we get to keep changing. Mm-hmm. Like my hair, for instance. <laughs> Which looks fabulous. <laughs> it was, I mean, so when I was 18, I shaved my head. Maybe you guys don't know that. (laughs) And I had, it would have been 1984. I shaved my head. Maybe you guys remember Annie Lennox and the Arrhythmics, but she's a redhead, and she shaved her head. It had a flat top on her cassette tape cover. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. So in Colorado, I went, and I took the little tape, and I said, this is the haircut I want. And they're like, do you want me to dye it red also? And I said, no. And my hair had been long, and so I, rat tails were in style also. So I had this, like, 8-inch piece of hair at the end of my, bottom of my neck. And uh, I was dating Glenn at the time, and I was, he didn't, I told him I got a haircut, and I was going out for his mission farewell. And we, the, the airport where he picked me up, you walked off the plane outside, you did down steps of the plane, and he was like, just like, what did she do? How am I going to take her to my house to meet my parents? (laughs) I need to see pictures of this Helena. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So, so like, for years, because I've had gray hair. I'm not this white or gray, but I started when I was, like, 16. And so I'm like, I'm just going to change it one day. And finally... I showed my husband a younger person with, who had let their hair go um, to its natural color, and he said, do it. And then at that time, I chickened out. And so at the end of the pandemic, or what I feel like was what I thought was the end, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And I had wasted those first year and a half, two years of coloring my hair. 
And then I called the girl that did my hair, and she's like, I can't do that. I'm like, sure you can. And then I, I asked a variety of people, and so I called my niece who lives in Utah, and I said, could you please make me a blonde so I could grow my hair out? Because I could not do it with dark hair. I mean, I sure could have, but I would have hated it. And um, so I had gone home to visit my mom in Colorado, and I stopped in for like two nights in Utah, had my hair changed, and came home as a blonde, which I've never wanted to be a blonde in my life. Never, ever, ever, and not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that it's not me. And it was so hard for the first year. But it's working out in the end. <laughs> it does. It looks so pretty. It's such a pretty silver. I'm, I'm thrilled with it. I just wish it would grow long now. <laughs> and it will. But um, I just think there are so many things that we do that are hard. And then for me, it's like I get in the middle of it, and it's harder than you expect. And those are, that, I mean, constantly. It's like, okay, Heavenly Father, I just need you to get me to tomorrow. I mean, yes, we'll get to the end, but I can't even see that far anymore. Mm -hmm. I just need to get to tomorrow. And um, I've just had a great experience with getting to tomorrow. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what are you thinking about specifically? Uh, Any certain events? So I've been married, let's just say 37 years, because that's probably really close. And um, life gets hard. And... Um, you, if you're not, Glenn and I have never dated every week as a married couple, and you, if you're not working on yourself and each other and your relationship together, um, it falls apart like any relationship would. Okay, so here is one of the funniest things I've done. I read, I love Dr. Laura, I'm sorry for you people that don't, but I love her. She has helped me come to terms with so many things in my life. And um, so I read... She's talking about Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Yeah. How do you say that's her last it, name? That's it. That's good Schlesing? enough. Yeah. Say it really fast and then we're good. <laughs> and um, she has a book called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. She has one now called Proper Care and Feeding of Marriage also. But um, I, I hated reading it because it was about me changing. And then my husband would see that and reflect it back. And I'm like, why does it have to be me? Why me? Why me? You know, and I just being stubborn because I'm always right. And so I met this couple at the gym, and he was divorced and had a new girlfriend. And she was just so sweet with him. It was hard to watch. As I kept rereading the early chapters in that book, I was like, oh, that's what she's doing. She's the girlfriend. And so... Um, I'm like, all right, I'll try it for two weeks. And it was really hard. At the end... Wait, wait, what did you do? Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, so I just, instead of my husband always being wrong, I gave some consideration to maybe he was right. Or if he had an idea, or so it would go like this. What, you want to go out for dinner? Yeah. Where do you want to go? I would say, I don't care. But he got so used to me caring and not happy with what we ended up doing or something along those lines that he really was like, please just make the decision and it should be easy. And so I would say, no, no, you pick. Or he would ask something and I would just answer. I literally would pause, think in my head, what would Lisa say? And then answer that way. 
And sometimes I wouldn't, but the majority of the time it was happening. And so we were getting ready to go somewhere. And he said, I just want to ask you, have you been to the doctor recently? And I said, no. Are you on any medication? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And he asked another follow-up question like that. And finally, I'm like, what do you want to know? <laughs> and he's like, you've just been so nice. And I said, oh, it's an experiment. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be your girlfriend, not your wife. And to see how that works out. And to, for me to see how that changes our relationship. So then it was awkward for a few weeks. <laughs> because he couldn't believe what I was doing or he felt like it was fake. And I'm not perfect at it because we're none of us are. But um, it's a lot of fun. And there are times I'm like, we are divorced now. We're just going to be boyfriend and girlfriend for two weeks, you know. <laughs> because if you think that way, you're just having more fun. And then it's like, okay, let's have the same amount of fun in our marriage. But there's just been times where I'm like, okay, when we first moved to Roseville, which would have been about 24 years ago, we had Wesley and Bailey. It was just so hard. And I didn't, we moved into Fifth Ward, and I didn't really have friends, and it had been a couple of months. So I found myself, once we moved into the house, on my knees in, our, in my closet, just praying for some sort of support and for women in my life. Within two weeks, I was called to the Relief Society president. So watch out for what you pray for. <laughs> but it was great, you know. And I, I, I just remember, those are the kind of incidents I have in my life where um, you, you're really praying for, I need help, what do I do? And you just have to be open to what, what comes your way. So that's, it's fantastic, I think. I also think I'm Heavenly Father's comic relief. Like, oh, Helena. Okay, I don't know if this will make the final cut. But, um, so back to my Dr. Loris and learning about being respectful and having fun and enjoying each other in the relationship. Um, there are still times when I have felt alone or I've questioned, like, is this what I'm supposed to, is this really the marriage I should be in or and I I just pray and I, I just ask point blank and um, when we first started going um, back to church during the pandemic I had um, just had a rough time with things and was praying like I don't know if I'm supposed to be here am I doing what you think I should be doing I'm sure plenty of people were questioning that in their lives but I, can't, I don't remember the song. I just, I just knew. It, it just washed over me that I'm doing the right thing. I'm where I should be. And, um, okay, I love singing. And then I was just crying through the whole song, ruining it for myself. But it was such a great experience knowing, again, that I'm not alone. Like, I can ask a question and I will receive an answer. And I can ask for guidance, and it will be given to me. In the end, um, when, I'm, when I question where I am in my life, and I take Dr. Laura's advice into my heart and say, my life is hard. Do I want to stay here? Yes, my life will be hard when I leave. And then I work on or I pray about what I should do. And I realize where I am in the thick of it is the right place for me. And those are just good moments. 
So, um, so what I'm hearing is you have learned to be flexible and you've learned to be in, uh, independent and hardworking and learn how to get past the challenge. Yeah. I don't, I'm, for me, it doesn't work to stay. I, I, I always I tell people I work with, walk up to the edge of the cliff and look over, but don't go over the edge. Just look at the edge. The edge of the challenge? Yeah, or, or you know, I just say that is, it might be scary to get there, but just take a step forward. Because if, otherwise you stay in the middle of the hard thing or whatever it is. You, you're there. And, and if you just take a, even a baby step forward, you're moving toward um, getting past it or letting it go behind you. For me, I like, I say, I said to my kids, uh, because they're all adults, and if they tell me something that, something that's, uh, mom, you need to change this or this is hard or whatever. I'm like, just, I've got a backpack on. Put the rocks in my backpack because I am strong. And um, and I, when people or things are hard, I think of it as a wave in the ocean. It just comes at me. It hits me. And the moment that it hits you, it's hard. But then it just rolls. It keeps rolling and it goes behind you. And that's how hard things, that's how I deal with hard things. And that's the perspective I have on them if you stay there and I feel like I I know people that stay right there and I don't it doesn't work for me but they stay in the middle of the hardest part and I think for some time some amount of time it does bring you comfort and you need to stay there and work through whatever but I just I cannot hang on to it myself and so I just know it's kind of like um, I don't know. There's a show I watch, Come Follow Up, and I believe he was saying, you know, we were he was talking about Christ. Um, yoke, you, I think he said, yoke yourself to my yoke. And I went, that's exactly it. All the hard things. He just wants to take. And it's a matter of realizing it's not about you suffering through it. It's more about being, um, maybe the word is humble enough to hand it over. And to be okay saying, I need help, and here, take it from me. I think that's part of the atonement that we don't, we forget about, is that part of the atonement is that he can strengthen us. Yeah. We think that uh, sometimes the atonement is just all about sins and forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. I haven't I really even looked at it that way, but it's like, I don't know, he was definitely saying, yoke yourself to Christ. And, I was, and so I was just envisioning a cattle or an oxen yoke. And I was like, that is it. And my side's going to be super light. Mm -hmm. How do you, how have you been able to do that, like mentally and spiritually? Uh, I think, okay, so I am more of a CrossFit, heavy weight lifter type of person. But I like to do crazy things like step aerobics and things where you can just be smiling, having fun. And uh, so one day somebody said, I really need you to go get a yoga certification. And I'm like, you are talking to the wrong person. And so I went, uh, fine, I'll take the challenge. I went and got certified for yoga. And um, somewhere in those first few years, because you think yoga is stretching, yoga is breath, yoga is mindfulness. 
but it's the connection of the breathing with the work that somehow brings an ease to your body. And um, so we were fixing our back fence a couple years ago, and um, my husband and I were out there, and so the back neighbor came out to supervise, I think. And <laughs> um, my husband kept knocking over the box of screws or nails, and I would say, that's okay, let me pick them up. Now, I could have never done that with my children. And, and he went inside for something after maybe the third or fourth time of knocking it over. And she said, how do you do that? And I said, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> this is how you hammer it. This is how you hold a drill. But um, she's like, how do you just say, I'll take care of it. You step over there and I'll pick these things up. And I said, oh, I learned to do that with yoga. And so for me, yoga, and I'm not, I mean, and you, it's not me to say these words, but it has brought me such a skill with life that um, I just didn't, I've never had, no one in my family has it. And it's just interesting. For me, it brought, it just brought an ease. When, uh, and they do say that part of yoga is you're, you're holding a hard pose and it's difficult on your legs or whatever, and you're breathing through it. And then once you've finished and you come out of the pose, your body relaxes and that teaches you, if you practice it, it teaches you how when you're in a hard situation, then your body can relax. Okay. And um, so to me, that crosses over into every part except for driving on the freeway for every <laughs> part of my life. Um, but it's like I struggle with, and it's not really a struggle, but it's hard for me to quiet my voice and, and settle down. And uh, I told myself about a year ago, okay, go to the temple. You got to go to the temple because you can't be allowed in the, t you know, go where you, where this will help you and, and it'll be wonderful for you as a side note. And, um, you know, you, when you say these things out loud or to me, it's like then you're just letting everybody know and then everything comes up and blocks you from going. And so when my sisters were in town, before, um, before they came, Heidi said, I want to go to the temple. I said, okay, great, let's go. And she's like, okay, do I need clothes? I'm like, bring it, and we'll go. And then right before she came, she said, are you serious? We, get, we can go? I'm like, yeah, we can go. And one, one sister and I went. And um, the other one, her um, recommend was expired. But while she was here... Um, She's like, I'm gonna, I don't have my own temple clothes. So we went and we got everything she needed. And she's set now. And uh, it was a great experience. And it was like, maybe I just needed someone to say, come with me. I should be able to go on my own. And it's not that far. It was such a great experience. We did initiatories for about an hour. And then we did a session together. And it was just, I've never gone to the temple with her. And it was a beautiful experience. We both felt really lucky to do that. So. And you went one time with her? Yeah, that's okay. we, we spent the morning there. Yeah. And how long was ago wonderful. was that? Two weeks, maybe? Two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it was fun seeing people from the ward and stake there. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great place. Mm -hmm. We all need to be there more often. What did you feel? What was great about it? Um, just like... Um, so that's funny, because while I was there... 
I was thinking, you know, people say they feel this or they have this type of an experience or, and I was, nothing like that was happening to me, but I, it was a comfort. It was a, this is where you need to be. This is right. It was just an affirming experience. And there was also, you know, it's hard not to be me. We'd done the initiatories and I had thing holding the papers and I looked up and I saw Sister Hathaway. I mean, Sister um, Heimba, and I put that hand up in the air, and I'm like, oh, she can't really see me, so I said, hi, and as soon as I raised my hand, all the papers went flying in the locker room, and I'm like, you guys, I'm so sorry, it's me, Helena, you know, and I'm like, uh, and, and Gail's like, oh, I could tell, I, I heard your voice, Helena, <laughs> like, I'm trying to be quiet, <laughs> But and that's why I think I'm just the comic relief for those people watching from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but I just it's I I don't calm down enough or take the time to settle to have more of those experiences. So when they happen to me, I just love it. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I'm like, you've got to come back once a month. You've got to just make this part of your life because that's the spiritual exercise to go with the other. That's perfect. So you mm-hmm. have your physical exercise. Yeah. You have your marriage exercise. Yes, dang it. So much work, but I love it all. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you, you said you've been in Roseville second? Oh, yes. We moved here. Well, we moved to Roseville, and we were in Fifth Ward for two and a half years. And my husband's a cyclist, so no two-story homes for us because he doesn't want to do stairs. And so... Wait, we, why doesn't he want to do stairs? Because his legs are tired. Okay. It's like day every day. I yeah. thought so, but I was like, maybe yeah. there's something else. I'm like, come on! Because I grew up with stairs, and it was like all about sliding like on cardboard down the steps and mm. being ridiculous. But, um, so he's always been like, we can't move unless there's a large one story. And, um, one day I came up here and found these homes, and I'm like, I found our next house! And so we were in... Fifth ward for two and a half years, and we moved up here, and that was second ward. And we were like, this will be great. They have a huge youth program. We weren't even here a year before it was divided. (laughs) And it's like, it's just such a, yeah, you cannot move to make the church better in your life. You have to make the church, you have to be able to work with what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, and your friends can be everywhere. And uh, it's, it was just like, yeah, I don't know why I thought it, you could make that easier on the kids by having a big group of youth. But anyway, so we've been in this ward for 21 years. I've, I have loved it. We're, we're finally, so when we were in fifth ward, uh, I was in the primary presidency, and we are singing some of those songs again in primary, which I love. And, uh, but in this ward... Um, I've been in primary and young women's and Sunday school. I only deal with people under the age of 18. (laughs) I just have this craziness about me. But I love it. I just love, love, love it. And um, it's been a great ward. So Tani Wommeldorf and I moved into the ward at very similar times. And um, it's funny because we have different outlooks but we have a lot of things the same and she'll be like come on we got to go visit people today and I'm like all right just come and get me and off we go visiting whoever she's decided we need to go and visit so and there's a lot of 
good that happens in our ward, and I, I just love it. So are you guys assigned to people, or is just, this is just randomly whoever I don't believe, so. I believe that visit. she's, and we <laughs> haven't gone, like, for a year, or maybe even during the pandemic. Okay. But she would be like, come on, I've baked, and we're going. Okay, okay. let's go. That's fun. <laughs> Pretty much if someone says, come on, I'll hop in your car, you know, All and right. off we'll go. <laughs> so... Um, So currently, where do you serve? Currently, I'm in the primary, and my co-teacher is my husband. We teach the nine-year-olds, and it's a blast. I I love it. That's all I can say. I think it's fun. Last year, we had the youngest Coleman child, and when I taught Sunday school, I got to teach the oldest Coleman child. And so uh, it's crazy to me that I'm old enough to have that kind of a span over other people's um, lives, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, primary is is a blast. It just is. Like you said. It is. Yeah. I love I love the youth too. I'm Me happy too. to do Sunday school or yeah. young men, young women. Well, probably not not young men's, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I I think the ward is great. There's so many people I have no idea who they are anymore or yet, but. Um, not this ward, but another ward, I had a woman come up to me, and I, I never even, like for about a week, I knew who it was. And um, she's like, I, I just always wanted to talk to you and be your friend. Aww. I'm like, pick up the phone. Let's go do something. What do you want to do? I, I don't, that, that, let's just go and do things. I'm like, no, you're no, a lot of fun. Just a little bit. A lot of fun. So if you could send one message a hundred years into the future for your posterity to hear, what would it be? Would be something along the lines of, I hate to say this because it, I'm you might have to edit this. <laughs> Just stay true to the faith. It's real and you can leave and pretend that it's not, but it is. And if you come back, you, you'll understand that. If you test it, you'll understand it. If you listen, he'll tell you. So keep true to the faith. Mm -hmm. And what would you say has nurtured your testimony the most during your adult life? I think promptings promptings and prayer. And um, I don't know. Okay, I go with that. But then I just think, can I add it? I mean, how can you narrow it down? Just give us a list. There's, so I love to record conference ever since we have had a DVR capability. And uh, so I will keep conference, even though you, I have it on my phone or any other device. I keep it recorded on my television until the next conference. And I love, you know, I love music, so I'm happy to listen to music as I'm going throughout my day. But I love just putting a session on because things will just hit you at different times. Or you hear it, and it actually applies right then to your life. I just think it's amazing. And I, I didn't grow up with, con- I mean, I grew up with conference, but in Germany, you couldn't get conference. We'd get a magazine, however, much later. And then when we moved to the States, okay, I didn't even know there was Saturday conference until I was like 19. When, <laughs> when we moved to Arizona, there were, sometimes there were no channels that offered it. And so I don't think my parents, well, I know my parents didn't take us to go listen to it or watch it at a state center. And um, so I just think conference has become such a big deal to me. I just, 
I think it's amazing when you think the, these are our prophets, our leaders are talking to us with real life. I love how it's, not that it wasn't real life, but I love that it's real. And maybe I'm just at that stage in my life, but it seems very applicable all the time now. Mm-hmm. So I want every, you know, I want my, my future generations and my family to just know that the church is true and to hang on tight. Because you have to hang on tight whether you believe it or not. You have to hang on to your life. So why not hang on to the gospel? Because it, it just blesses you. Any advice for while you're hanging on tight? Let go. Let go. <laughs> yeah. Hang on tight and let yeah. go. You have to because yeah. you have to do both. You have to let go because you can't carry everything. It's it's very interesting to say both of those things. That's exactly you know what I believe. You gotta mm-hmm. let go and move forward. You know, I guess you're letting go with one hand and hanging on with the other. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have anything else you would like to share? before we end our interview and thank you for your time um i just i love church and um i think i just i love it i love going i love all the different programs i think it is so much fun it's just a a great a great blessing so i guess that's it Thank you very much, Helena. You are a light, and I really appreciate your energy, and it's been great getting to know you. Well, I enjoyed doing this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, that was so fun. I love Helena. She, like, if I could describe her in one word, I'd probably say fun. Like, I just like to be around her. She's dynamic. She keeps you on your toes. But I haven't had that many opportunities to hear her in her philosophical side in this interview, which was really pretty cool. So I'm, I'm actually here with Nikki, and um, she just had some final thoughts for us. Thank you, Amber. So we don't normally do final thoughts on interviews, but after um, thinking about Helena's interview for the last couple weeks after giving it, I have been thinking a lot about what she's, or a lot of things that she said. Um, But one thing that really stuck out to me that keeps going over my mind is the hold on and let go part of her interview. And I, I understood what she meant, but I thought maybe um, just, I felt like it was a, such a, a pivotal and important part of what sh- her wisdom offered that I just kind of wanted to um, th- share what I thought about what she said in case there's any confusion because it was such a, a poignant um, thought. So when she said, hold on and let go, what I understood Helena to be meaning, and Helena, if I'm wrong, please let us know, and I will happily take out this part. But what I, what I understood was that um, it meant that she would hold on to her faith in Christ and, and, his, and the strength that he offers her um, and let go of her control of the situation. And I think that was so important because oftentimes our reaction to a situation can be one filled with emotions, if especially if it's in a situation that we feel out of control of, and our 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 reaction could be sad or happy or or it could be frustration or 
um, betrayal or anger, and it could be uh, you know geared toward the event or or it could be um, directed towards God or you know whatever. And often and and we are absolutely validated in those feelings. Those are very natural feelings for us to feel, right? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, because I sure have felt those in situations. However, I think the, the, the thing that, that the gospel offers us and the thing that faith and, and uh, Christ offers us is the ability to let go and to, let, and to be able to reduce those feelings. So you might still feel those feelings, but they might be reduced because we are giving our control over to Christ. And, um, and we're using his atonement to help strengthen us. And because Helena was talking about how she does lean on Christ and she leans on her faith to get her through things. I think that's what she meant by hold on and let go. And I, I love that phrase so much that I feel like it needs to be like on a shirt or something because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just so direct and exactly what we all need. And I really appreciated her thoughts because I've, I've been there. I've, I've, I can testify that holding on and letting go is extremely powerful in those difficult situations. So thank you, Helena, for giving me that little tagline. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Nikki. Um, and thank you, Helena, for being willing to share your stories, your successes, your struggles. I think we can all relate and um, can just appreciate you more for all that you've been through. All right. Thanks, guys.